The following is a paid program on 630 WLAP. This is the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Welcome to the camp. I guess you all know why we're here. My name is Tommy, and I became aware this year. If you want to follow me, you've got to play pinball. And put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the cork. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show, where we'll play Billy Joel at the drop of a hat or drop of a drumstick. Billy Joel. Yeah. But we're going to pay tribute to Billy Joel celebrating his 70th birthday uh, a couple nights ago. Yeah. There you go. And, you know, I don't think you can talk about you can't have a discussion about greatest artist of all time, best-selling artist of all time, and not put Billy Joel in that conversation. Right. Because he's right there at the top. Is he really? Yes, he is, I believe, 150 million albums sold, uh, the sixth best recording artist of all time, and wow. third best solo artist of all time. That's amazing. As far as uh, sales. Right up there. He and Elton John are up there together, aren't they? I would say Elton's probably up there. Michael Jackson. Yeah. Uh, Elvis. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll pull the list up here in a little bit and take a look at that. But, man, when I think about New York City, Billy Joel's right up there at the top. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, so, here we are. What do we got to talk about today? Uh, Tom Dupree Show. Hold on. Let's well, there. Well, we could talk about that, whatever that was. Let's start off with Psalm 34. Um, 
go. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. That's the first six verses from Psalm 34. U.S. warns merchant ships of possible Iranian attacks. Cleric threatens U.S. fleet. Iran's Revolutionary Guards reject talks with the United States. Senior cleric threatens U.S. Navy as carrier heads to Gulf. This is interesting. Thousands march to support Iranian move on nuclear curbs. Iran could target U.S. commercial ships, including oil tankers, the U.S. Maritime Administration said on Friday as a senior Iranian cleric said a U.S. Navy fleet could be destroyed with one missile. In the latest tense exchange between Tehran and Washington, Iran's hardline revolutionary guards separately said Iran would not negotiate with the United States, a stance that seemed partly aimed at discouraging Iranian President Hassan Rouhani and his moderate allies from taking up a U.S. offer of talks. President Trump on Thursday urged Iran's leaders talked with him about giving up their nuclear program and said he could not rule out a military confrontation. Trump made the offer as he increased economic and military pressure on Iran, moving to cut off all Iranian oil exports this month while beefing up the U.S. Navy and Air Force presence in the Gulf. <coughs> Acting U.S. Defense Secretary Patrick Shanahan approved a new deployment of Patriot missiles to the Middle East. A U.S. official told Reuters on Friday. The U.S. aircraft carrier Abraham Lincoln deployed as a warning to Iran passed through Egypt's Suez Canal on Thursday and American B-52 bombers have arrived at a base in, in Qatar, U.S. Central Command said. Iran has dismissed both moves, which the United States said it took after U.S. intelligence signaled possible preparations by Tehran to attack U.S. forces or interest as psychological warfare des designed to intimidate it. In an advisory posted on Thursday, the U.S. Maritime Administration said that since early May, there had been an increased possibility of Iran or its regional proxies taking action against U.S. and partner interests. These included Murad said oil production infrastructure, after Tehran threatened to close the vital Strait of Hormuz choke point through which about a fifth of oil globally passes. Iran or its proxies could respond by targeting commercial vessels, including oil tankers or U.S. military vessels in the Red Sea or the Persian Gulf. Report indicates heightened Iranian readiness to conduct offensive operations against U.S. forces and interests. Millions of barrels of oil pass daily through the various bottlenecks from Middle East producers to global markets. 
U.S.-Iranian tensions have risen since Trump withdrew a year ago from a 2015 nuclear deal with Iran and major powers and began ratcheting up sanctions to throttle Iran's economy. Vice Admiral Jim Malloy, a commander of the U.S. Navy's Byron-based Fifth Fleet, told Reuters on Thursday its forces were on a heightened state of readiness although the U.S. military was not seeking or preparing for war with Iran. Murad said U.S. flagships were encouraged to contact the Fifth Fleet at least two days before sailing through the Strait of Hormuz. The fleet's job is to protect commercial shipping in the area. Washington further tightened sanctions on Iran this month, eliminating waivers that had allowed some countries to buy its oil with the goal of reducing Tehran's crude exports to zero. Iran responded by relaxing some curbs on its nuclear program concerning material stockpiles, but continues to comply with commitments to restrict its uranium enrichment capacity. Rhetoric has grown heated on both sides. I think what's interesting here is that Obama had signed a, a an agreement to allow them basically to produce uh, uranium in an unabated fashion. Trump came in and said, this is not a good deal. Shut it down. Because he knew what kind of actor Iran was on the world stage. They're a terrorist. They're, they're officially terroristic. And this is an example of what the Trump policy has caused now it it appears that there's trouble uh but there was going to be trouble anyway especially under obama's uh nuclear pact with iran it was not going to be a good thing it was it was going to be much more difficult for peace to be maintained in the middle east with iran having so much um access to nuclear weapons. The semi-official uh, ISNA news agency quoted hardliner Alatola Tabatabai Najad in the city of Ishfan as saying their billion-dollar fleet can be destroyed with one missile. If they attempt any move, they will face dozens of missiles because at that time, government officials won't be in charge to act cautiously, but instead things will be in the hands of our beloved leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei. So you have within Iran the <coughs> actual government, which would like to be more moderate, and yet the Ayatollahs are the ones that uh, call the shots with the, the Revolutionary Guards who are very hardline, uh, hawkish, um, Islamic militants. Okay, stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. 
While they're stomping, he's trumping. The race is wide open. And as the 2020 presidential race begins, we'll bring you all the news, insight, and analysis. A political circus. News Radio 630 WLAP. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. A fiduciary is a person or organization that owes to another the duties of good faith and trust. It is the highest legal duty of one party to another, and it means being bound ethically to act in the other's best interests. At Dupree Financial Group, we act as a fiduciary to our clients when managing their investments. This means simply that we put their interests first. We accept no commissions or transaction fees, only an asset-based percentage fee of our clients' assets, which directly aligns our interests with theirs. Think about it. A financial advisor who does well when you do well. If you'd like to know more about how this might work for you, give us a call at Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 for a no-obligation meeting and a discussion of your account. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. More of Billy Joel. 70th birthday. Not so bad. He's still selling out Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Continuously. So, yeah, 70's not bad. Does he play there regularly? Yeah, he's doing a residency there. And I don't know. I think it lasts till November. Yeah. And so he just plays there what once or twice a week you know, you know I, I don't know what um i don't know how often he plays there a week i'll have to kind of dig that yeah. out but I, I think 2012 he said that he was pretty much done playing and then uh when he did the benefit concert for the uh hurricane sandy victims up there he was like you know what let's do this again yeah and that kind of prompted his whole residency at madison square garden right so Six reasons why Trump won't back down on his China trade war. This is from Jim Cramer. So, as, as you know, uh, President Trump did a lot of tweeting this week talking about uh, imposing tariffs on a significant amount of Chinese goods, more than what it had been imposed. And... Uh, did it yesterday friday kicked him in and the stock market took some huge hits over it 
but uh, kind of came back yesterday. So people think, well, is he bluffing? And uh, Jim Cramer says, no, he's not bluffing. Jim Cramer says, see six signs that President Trump won't back down on the U.S.-Chinese trade dispute, which could spark huge new tariffs on Chinese exports as early as Friday, which was yesterday. You can see how the president is framing things. It's a broken deal, broken by the Chinese, Kramer said Thursday during an exclusive video conference call. I know that sometimes the president can seem to be flamboyant in his attacks, but it sure seems like the last-minute actions by the Chinese totally backfired and sent negotiations back to the hardliners. Kramer says he sees six reasons why Trump won't back down against the Chinese. Number one, U.S. companies already got big tax breaks. The president gave all U.S. businesses huge tax breaks as part of his 2017 tax law. So Trump believes they shouldn't suffer all that much if they have to pull out of China altogether. Number two, Trump wants to keep U.S. dollars away from China. Trump really does want American companies to do less business in China so that the Chinese won't have enough money to advance their Belt and Road initiatives and geopolitical aims. Three, other countries offer low-cost manufacturing also. U.S. companies that insist on using Chinese labor in manufacturing will have lower profit margins than if they move operations to other developing countries. Kramer cited Funko as one company that understands this well. Number four, Trump's base is still with him. You'd think that Trump supporters would be upset about the higher consumer costs that U.S. tariffs can bring, but they aren't complaining. They believe this is a patriotic war and they're happy to fight it, Kramer said. They'd boycott products made in China if the president asked them to. Five, America doesn't export that, export that much to China anyway. Trump knows the U.S. economy is huge and service-oriented and won't export that much to China in any case. So he's ready for retaliation that he'll just make fun of anyway, Kramer said. And six, the president doesn't care if China loses face. Unlike previous presidents, Trump isn't worried about giving the Chinese a way to save face. Instead, he wants to rip their faces off to the delight of his base. Kramer said, those who are really hurt like the farmers will get U.S. government compensation perhaps from the money taken in from tariffs. So those are some reasons that Jim Cramer is giving for the president's willingness to stand his ground on China, which I think I believe those are, are true. Uh, I agree with him on that. And, uh, the Chinese have been bad players they have been willing to take American information and, and uh, intellectual property and steal it. They've played by their own rules, and their, their own rules are, are dirty. And uh, he's finally calling them to account for it. <clears throat> State of... State to help city of Stone Mountain, Georgia, 
shed its old reputation. This is kind of some regional news, and I thought it was interesting. In the majority black city of Stone Mountain, many have grown increasingly worried that the mountain's decades-long connection with racist organizations has tainted the city's chances for growth. The Ku Klux Klan underwent a rebirth with a rally at the park in 1915. More recently, rallies by Confederate flag-waving white supremacists and white nationalists have brought unwanted media coverage of tense gatherings and counter-protests. But according to the city's top administrator, that's emblematic of the old Stone Mountain. When people think about Stone Mountain Village, it was a place that wasn't really open that much to outside influences said city manager Chuck Waz Miller Thornton. We're beyond that. We don't want that to continue to be our narrative. As several storefronts in downtown Stone Mountain sent vacant, the city and its residents are working to rebrand and create a new identity, one that can distance the city from what many describe as a stigma attached to the Stone Mountain name and history. To help with the effort, the city invited in the Georgia Tourism Product Development Team, which spent Tuesday and Wednesday visiting the town. City officials hope the tourism office will help the city attract new businesses and visitors, developing its image as an inclusive, diverse community. Some actually don't know that our largest population is African American because that's not been the voice, Miller Thornton said, noting that the city is about 70% black. I was here as a little girl, says uh, Mrs. Uh, uh, Rector, who works for the uh, city's oldest black church. I'm sure you heard of the Klan coming through at that time. That was a time when you had to go in your house and you just waited. Stone Mountain's Confederate past overshadows its storied black history. So this is interesting. If you're ever visiting Georgia, it's got a big uh, statues cut in the side of the mountain. It's a large granite mountain that many things in the area are built with. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. Are you looking for fun and exciting gaming action in Kentucky? Well, look no further than Red Mile Gaming and Racing. Come play one of our 900 games. And new members who sign up for a Winner Circle card will qualify for a special rebate offer up to $200. Guaranteed. That means everyone who signs up at Red Mile Gaming and Racing walks away a winner. Red Mile Gaming and Racing. Red hot excitement. Visit player services or redmileky.com for details. Revelation 7, 9 through 10 says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This scripture to me is a beautiful picture of all races, languages, and ethnicities worshiping God together. I believe this is God's dream for His people. Jesus told us to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not perfectly there yet at Trinity Hill, but we do have believers from over 40 nations who are members of our church, and our worship services more and more reflect God's dream. Are you interested in worshiping in a church like this? 
I'm Steve Drury, Senior Pastor of the Trinity Hill United Methodist Church located at the corner of Tate's Creek and Armstrong Mill Roads. I hope you will come and worship with us this Sunday. Rudy Giuliani says he will not travel to Ukraine now. President Trump's personal attorney earlier saying he would go to Ukraine to look for information that could help with Trump's campaign, including claims about 2020 candidate Joe Biden. ABC's Lana Zak with more. The former New York mayor telling reporters his agenda included asking Ukrainian officials for information on the now-concluded Mueller probe and whether Biden took any actions while in office that may have benefited his son Hunter Biden, who worked for a Ukrainian energy company at the time. China's vice premier today telling Hong Kong media trade talks with the U.S. have not broken down. That after both sides failed to strike a deal Friday, China's top negotiator describing the stalled talks as a small setback. The U.S. imposed 25 percent hike on nearly all Chinese goods. China promising to retaliate. Acting Defense Secretary Patrick Shanahan travels to the U.S.-Mexico border today, his second trip to highlight what President Trump has declared a national emergency. I'm Michelle Franz in ABC News. Mostly cloudy skies across the area on our Saturday as the day wears on. A scattered shower or two will begin to increase, and then rain becomes likely later tonight and into your Mother's Day. High today into the mid and upper 60s, 60 to 65 on Mother's Day, so it's a cool day for the moms out there. End of the day on Monday, watch for an isolated shower in 60. I'm WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24-7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeart Radio station. Message and data rates may apply. What will you learn when you start your degree online with Arizona State University? You'll learn that you're capable of more than you know, that you can accomplish anything with the right people in your corner. You'll learn that a crazy idea that seemed impossible is possible, and that inspiration is the greatest motivation. Learn how an ASU degree can unlock your potential. Text SCHOOL to 66597 and discover the more than 150 degree options that can be accessed from anywhere on your schedule. ASU Online includes an entire team of professors and advisors dedicated to helping you discover your own path and create your own opportunities. Unlock your potential today with Arizona State University Online. Learn more about Arizona State University degrees offered 100% online. Text SCHOOL to 66597. That's S-C-H-O-O-L to 66597. Julia owed the IRS thousands. I was paralyzed with fear. Then I heard a commercial for Optima Tax Relief. Optima Tax Relief is the number one tax resolution firm, A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and experts in the Fresh Start Initiative. Optima Tax Relief settled my IRS tax bill. Call Optima now for a free consultation. It was amazing. Call 800-973-7700. 800 973 773-7700. Optima Tax Relief. 630 WLAP.
That song really tells a story. I'd like to let it play for a while. John Short, welcome to the show. John, where are you? Where are you? I hear you home. Okay. What's going on? Nothing much. Know you're playing Billy Joe me today. No, he did Shameless before Garth Brooks did. Yeah, did he? Yeah, that yep. was his song, wasn't it? Yeah, I never heard his version. I always heard Garth Brooks' version. Yeah. Okay. I have what Trump's doing with, with China because we don't need to do anything with China. We don't make any deals with China. Yeah, I agree. We're he's he's looking at it that way. He's basically saying you either do it the right way or we're not going to trade with you. And the other presidents, they love to do things with China. That's right. China wants to take over the world. We can't have that happen. It needs to be the United States. needs to take over the world. And Ireland needs to be second. Then England third and Canada fourth. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So there we go. And what Rocket Man is doing in North Korea is not good. No, it's not. That's how, that's how I believe we need to bomb North Korea. No, we don't need to be bombing anybody right now. We need to talk them out of it. Okie dokie, because Rocket Man, I consider him like Hitler. Yeah, he is. He's a pretty bad guy. Yep. Especially towards his own people. And of course, Rocket Man killed his own brother. Yeah, I know it. That's not and good. And his uncle. Yep. That's, so, that's not good. Yeah, he's a bad guy. I know it. And we need Trump to win easily next year. He needs to win in every state, every commonwealth, including he needs to win in District of Columbia. He needs to win there, too. Yeah. Easily. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to happen, John. But I hope he gets enough to win the presidency, for sure. Yeah, and Amy Graffer is running against Mr. Collin next year. Has that been confirmed? I think so. That's what I heard that Amy Graffer is going to run. And yeah. she needs to lose easily too in every county. She doesn't even live here in this. In I think she's teaching uh, at uh, West Point or at uh, Annapolis at the Naval Academy. I didn't know that. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't even think she lives here. Well, I heard she's running against us. What I heard. Well, I heard that too. So, is baseball over with? No, it's not. We played South Carolina today. It was scheduled for a 12 o'clock game, but comparing to weather in, in South Carolina, is moving not early. Yeah. Okay. And we and we lost easily last night to South Carolina by one run, five to four. Well, that's not good. I know. And then tomorrow's game's at noon. Okay. And we need we need to win today and tomorrow, and we need to beat Michigan. DC, we need to beat Vanderbilt getting to the ACC tournament. Yep. We we've had a tough year this year. We haven't been as good as we were last year. I know it. So, and we never made the College World Series in baseball. We never had made it. Yeah, I know. We did in softball in twenty fourteen. That was it. Right. Well, we need to make it one of these years. Probably won't make it this year, but one year. Because I believe the College World Series will be Kentucky, Vanderbilt, Georgia, and Alabama. <laughs> All SEC. Well, I don't have all SEC teams in there. That'd be great. And yeah. I don't know why when baseball begins in the cold weather, like in February, let's say it begins in April through to July. 
Yeah. It'd probably be a whole lot better. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? It would be. That way it won't conflict with basketball season. Right. <laughs> and that, that makes it even better. I hope the NCAA is listening. I hope the ACC is listening. Yeah. That way they don't just, just They're, they're all listening to the Tom Dupree show, every one of them. <laughs> yeah. It makes it a whole lot better to have it April through July. I know school's out in May, but they, they can go on playing in the summer, too. Yeah, keep them here. That's right. right. All right, John. You're a great American. You're a great American. Thank you. Welcome. Take care. So, let's have baseball, college baseball playing in, until July. That's probably not a bad idea. Maybe it's a bad idea. I'm getting a look. No, I, I all right. Start talking baseball. Yeah. You call me out. Um, you didn't call me out, but I'm piping up. Uh, the problem with the college baseball going into the summer is the summer ball, they have travel teams that right. play all over. It's a whole nother league, yep. and it would be disruptive. And the thing about starting in February is a lot of times they play in warmer states. They right. don't play. They try not to play the early games when it where it's really cold. It doesn't always work out that way because the weather's wonky. But yeah, that's my two cents worth on baseball. Well, that's probably true. Media lies about Trump to cover up the brutal reality of late-term abortion. This is from the uh, uh, the Federalist. On April 29, or ni- 2019, President Donald Trump held a rally in Wisconsin where Democratic Governor Tony Evers has vowed to veto a bill that would require medical care pro- be provided to babies accidentally born alive during abortions. Evers claimed the bill would be redundant and seems not to be a productive use of time. The baby is born. The mother meets with the doctor. They take care of the baby. They wrap the baby beautifully, and then the doctor and mother determine whether or not they will execute the baby, Trump said about babies who are left to die from... uh, abortions as he as charged in his words might sound he was merely putting restating what virginia's democratic governor ralph northam said about a bill that had it passed would have repealed late-term abortion regulations in his state the bill thankfully failed in committee the infant would be delivered the infant would be kept comfortable the infant would be resuscitated if that's what the mother and the family desired and then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother, Northam said on a radio program. Predictably, the media pounced on Trump's statement. Some even claimed that Trump was inciting violence on abortion facilities. From these just past several days, several media outlets have called out the president, including Times' Abby Vasoulis, New Statesman Sophie McBain, Slate's Rebecca Onion, New York Times' Michelle Goldberg, Mother Jones's Kevin Drum. I've looked at pictures of all these people, and they're interesting. Uh, I, I just think this is a host of, of liberal writers. It's just it's what you get 
with uh, with the left nowadays and and people who support abortion. Many of these articles report repeat the same falsehoods. Vasulis' article for time is particularly bad since 9% of abortions are committed during or after the second t- trimester when the baby is between 14 and 27 weeks old and can sometimes be born as a preemie. Vasulis instead focuses on the 1.2% of abortions committed during a third trimester, which is the point at which most unborn babies can be saved through C-section or induced labor. Going by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention figures, Vasulis is really talking about 57,000 abortions, which suddenly doesn't seem so rare. Vasulis claims that late-term abortions mostly happen because of a serious fetal anomaly for the health of the woman. See, that's the thing. They, it's because they don't want the baby. That's why most of it happens is they, they don't want to deal with this child. It's out of convenience. I understand a, a baby is a severe hardship and can be, but you have to take into consideration that you're extinguishing a life in doing this. Women who sought these procedures were more likely to be young minority women with limited financial resources. Reasons were given more logistical than medical. They may have aborted because they didn't know they were pregnant until later in their pregnancy had trouble deciding or had trouble making arrangements. The claim that many late-term abortions are performed on women who face medical problems is also turned on its head when medical professionals, including former abortionists, acknowledge that abortion is never medically necessary. In cases of medical emergencies, a child may be delivered by C-section. It's never medically necessary, according to people that are have been in the abortion industry. So this is interesting. I find that really hard to believe, Tom. Well, that's what it says. I, I believe that's what it says, but I I just um I mean your own you in your family you've even had situations and it was a long time ago, but your grandmother passed away having your father. So you know, and she yeah. declined doing anything about. Glad she uh, did. Too. I know. I, I'm glad she did as well. But that's a situation where you know it was life threatening. Yeah. And they told her it was life threatening. So I don't buy the fact that it's never life threatening. I'm just going by what they these these people that were in the abortion industry said. I know, but you you always say don't believe everything you read. <laughs> that's yeah. all I'm saying. It's true. Well, anyway, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but it, in most cases, isn't. Let's just put it that way. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLAP. The news you want to know. New tariffs go into effect. Today. Increased tariffs on Chinese goods. The news. Donald Jr. A subpoena. You need to know. James Comey. Obstruction of justice. A leaker. Stay in the know. Kim Jong-un. Short-range missiles. With News Radio 630 WLAP. 
Hi, this is Tom Dupree. A fiduciary is a person or organization that owes to another the duties of good faith and trust. It is the highest legal duty of one party to another, and it means being bound ethically to act in the other's best interests. At Dupree Financial Group, we act as a fiduciary to our clients when managing their investments. This means simply that we put their interests first. We accept no commissions or transaction fees, only an asset-based percentage fee of our clients' assets, which directly aligns our interests with theirs. Think about it. A financial advisor who does well when you do well. If you'd like to know more about how this might work for you, give us a call at Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 for a no-obligation meeting and a discussion of your account. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. 630 WLAP. Back on the Tom Dupree Show. Andrew McCarthy says that Congress contempt's done against Attorney General Barr. It's just a stunt. When Congress uses its contempt power, there are basically three avenues it can pursue for purposes of enforcement. In the case of House Judiciary Committee's party line vote to hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt for purportedly failing to produce a report he has actually produced. Democrats who control the House will use the route that is most political and thus least credible, the unilateral congressional procedure. The committee will refer its finding for a vote to the full chamber. The stunt here is so nakedly partisan that the House won't even try to get support from the Senate. In theory, the House could try to take enforcement action on contempt. Congress even has a jail cell in the bowels of the Capitol, though it hasn't been used in many years. And it certainly is not going to be used against a cabinet officer of the executive branch. I'm thinking the U.S. Marshals would not take kindly to a House Sergeant-at-Arms showing up at Maine Justice with a congressional arrest warrant for the Attorney General. On the other extreme, the House could theoretically avail itself of the second avenue. It could seek to help the help of the executive branch 
specifically the Justice Department, to pursue criminal contempt charges against the Attorney General, i.e. it could ask the Attorney General to prosecute the Attorney General. Stop snickering. I did say theoretically. The third avenue would be to turn to the judiciary for a court citation of contempt. Democrats will not try this because it would be humiliating. It is commonplace for us to speak of our three co-equal branches of government. Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler invokes this trite phrase quite often, but it is misleading. The framers made Congress the first among not really equals. If you have any doubt about that, just have a peek at your pocket constitution and look for the Justice Department. You won't find it in there. The Justice Department only exists because Congress created it. Congress writes the laws and delineates its powers. Congress funds it. That is to say, the Article I branch does not need the Article III branch to help do its work and enforce its demands. Plus, as a practical matter, it is not likely the judiciary has its own police force. Can you imagine the Ninth Circuit with its own police force? Court needs the executive branch to enforce its orders, and while the Attorney General has done nothing wrong here. The Justice Department is not going to take action against the Attorney General in any event. Courts do not look like to look weak. The majesty of the judiciary flows from the perception that its directives must be followed, so judges tend to stay out of disputes between the political branches, which might well ignore court orders and have ways of retaliating against the judiciary that private litigants lack. First thing a judge would point out is what Congress is demanding that Barr do is illegal, namely disclose grand jury material to Congress. In Wednesday's circus of a hearing, Chairman Nadler pointed out that there was a time when federal prosecutors would have joined with Congress to seek a court order permitting disclosure. Yes, but what Nadler conveniently neglected to... Uh, mentioned was that this was before last month when the D.C. Federal Circuit Appeals Court, whose jurisprudence controls a dispute between Congress and the Attorney General, decided McKeever versus Barr. Well, let's just put it this way. It's not going to go anywhere. The uh, uh, contempt of Congress by Barr, they're not going to be able to get him to they want him to turn over the unredacted uh, Mueller report without any redactions put in there, which were put in there to basically keep from disclosing ongoing issues that are secret. And that's what anybody would do, and, and that's what he should do. And, then, and they've now held him in contempt of Congress for that. That's crazy. Back to the China trade. You don't have you don't have to like tariffs to like President Trump's strategy strategy of imposing harsh ones on China. Those he imposed overnight are punishing not only to China but to American consumers. The longer they last, the more they will cost. Yet serious trade sanctions are the only hope of getting Beijing to roll back its abusive economic practices and open its markets to U.S. exporters and investors. 
China won't act unless it feels real pain in its export sector, which is a powerful economic driver. And pain is what Trump means to inflict unless China provides much greater market access. Half measures and paper promises won't do. The U.S. wants a big deal and it wants teeth in it to prevent cheating. To get it, Trump is willing to threaten a trade war. We don't know if it will work. We do know that Trump's threats are credible. He began saying how much he loved tariffs long before he ran for office. The irony is that his protectionist stance could pave the way for freer trade. Once again, Trump is being the leader here in getting China to come to the table and basically pushing for much greater um, openness with China and for them to stop doing their abusive trade practices that they've been doing for a long time. Basically making some changes. Hey, Tom, when you say abusive, what the, the, talk about what, what I've kind only of, got about 30 seconds. Well, you want to go to the next segment? We can talk about it when Mike comes in. All right. But it is abusive. They uh, steal intellectual property, for one thing. Require people to turn it over. Stay with us. Mike Johnson in the house. It is the Tom Dupree Show, News Radio 630 WLAP.